0: Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. Good morning. It's great to have you here with us today. If you're a part of our online community, thrilled to have you as well. As we continue in our series, week three of the series, The Good Work. And here's what we know. God has a good work for you to do. There's something, there's a, there's a divine calling, if you will. There's a, even this divine burden that something is inside of you that you're called to do, that God has for you. And anytime God leads you, anytime God prompts you to do something that's meaningful, to do something that matters, to do something that's generous, to do something that affects other people, something that's lasting, anytime that God leads you to a good work, unfortunately, opposition is going to show up. There's going to be opposition that comes your way. There's going to be obstacles that come your way. There's going to be spiritual opposition that is gonna try to get you to slow down the work or get you to give up on it completely. You know, you see it throughout the Bible. You can go all the way back to the very first story in the Bible. Adam and Eve, right? That They are serving God and the evil serpent comes to resist them, to distract them from God's will. Moses, you know, he had Pharaoh. Moses trying to lead the people to freedom. Pharaoh trying to stop that from happening. David, he had the mighty Goliath, right? Jesus had all sorts of opposition. He had Herod, he had the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders. He had Jews he had uh, the enemy, the devil. And then you have the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, he just wanted to do one thing. All he wanted to do is tell people the good news about Jesus. And yet he had opposition from all sides of the equation. The Jewish people opposed him. The Gentiles or non-Jews opposed him. The scripture says that a man named Alexander opposed him and scriptures say even a friend of his, Demas, opposed his work. Now, Nehemiah, who's the main character of the series that we're in, Nehemiah had opposition as well. He had a guy by the name of Sanballat and Tobiah and other people who opposed his good work. And that's what we want to talk about today. How do you overcome? How do you stand up? How do you stand against and stand firm when there is opposition coming your way? How do you overcome the obstacles that are standing in your way when you're trying to pursue the good work that God has for you. The reality is you and I, we can have victory even in the midst of opposition and obstacles that are standing in our way. Now, I want to get you back up to speed real quick if you've missed any of the series. and uh, It started in 586 BC. You had, you had uh, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon comes to the land of Israel, destroys the land, destroys the people, goes into the capital city, the holy city of Jerusalem, completely destroys the city, the, the, the walls, the gates, the temple. Uh, and then he takes all the people as captives back to Babylon. Decades later... About 50,000 Jewish people were allowed to return to their homeland, to their holy city. And and, and it was time to rebuild. And yet, uh, no one could get anything going. They they, they had no momentum. They made no progress. All their efforts stalled out. Nehemiah, who's just an ordinary, everyday guy who happens to be a servant of, of the king, King Artaxerxes, he found out about those 50,000 people who had returned and that nothing's happening in his homeland that he had never been to, but, but he found out about it. He, he, it just wrecked him. It destroyed him. It was like, man, this isn't right. Somebody needs it. I mean, they returned. Let's get things going again. Let's rebuild these walls, rebuild these gates and, 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 and get our, our society and economy rolling again. And he just felt this burden about that. So much so he's praying about it and praying about it. For four months, he's praying. And then his employer comes to him and says, Nehemiah, what, what's happening and what's going on in your life? And tell me about it. And the employer says, what do you want? And Nehemiah says, man, I just got one request. I have one ask. ask. Will you release me so that I can go back to my homeland and rebuild the walls and the gates? Well, his employer grants that request. That was Nehemiah's burden, his divine call, his mission, that was Nehemiah's good work. And he stepped into it and he encouraged this people, he motivated the people, he inspired the people to this good work and they started to rebuild the gates and rebuild the walls. Now what's amazing to me about this story is that the people who began to do this good work, they weren't masonaries, they weren't carpenters, they weren't construction workers, they had no skill at building walls. And yet, these ordinary people came together and were building the walls. It kind of just reminds me of, you know, we go down to Mexico and we build homes and churches, you know, the last 20 years and, and uh, we don't know what we're doing. We have teenagers. We have uh, stay-at-home dads, stay-at-home moms. We have professionals. We have all these different, uh, you know, teachers. We have all these different people. who we're lucky. We have one person who knows what a hammer is. And yet we go down there and we're able to do this good work and build these homes. And and so that's kind of what's happening here. These unskilled people make progress building the gates and the wall. Now here's what happens. Whenever you find yourself starting to finally make progress, you can expect opposition to show up. The moment you start doing something that glorifies the Lord, you can bank on it. Spiritual opposition will show up and will get in your way. And we see that in our story today in Nehemiah chapter four. That's where we're gonna be. If you have a physical Bible, go to to Nehemiah chapter four. If you have your phone, you can go to the Version Bible app, track along with us there. Our notes are actually in there. You can follow along. You can add notes to it. And so we're in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1, and it says this. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became uh, angry and was greatly incensed. Notice what Sanballat does. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Now, that word feeble in the Hebrew text, it's the same word that describes a flower that has been cut. So it's dying or or it's dead. It's a flower that's now dead. And so when Sanballat called the Jews feeble, he's saying, man, you guys are hopeless. You're lifeless. And, And your ability to do this, you have no chance of rebuilding these walls. What are these feeble Jews doing? And then Sanballat says in, in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 2, he says, are they going to restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Are they going to finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from the heaps of rubble burned as they are? And so he's just heckling them and going after them. But then Sanballat's sidekick joins in on the ridicule. Verse 3, Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what they're building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their walls of stone. I mean, they're just pouring it on. And so what do you see? When the work, you see that when the work starts to go down, the opposition shows up. You see that the, the, the opposition steps in, obstacles get in the way. And unfortunately, that's true for us as well. Maybe for you, part of your journey has been, you know what? I'm here now today, but maybe looking back that first time, you hadn't been coming to church for a while and you felt like, hey, it's time to come back to church for the first time in a long time. And, and, and you're on your way to church and man, you get in the worst fight ever and, 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 you know, expletives are flying and you, you show up and you walk through the door and someone says, good morning. And you're like, no, it's not. And you come in and, and it's just a terrible day for you. You're like, forget this. Or maybe you have felt uh, called by God to honor the Lord in your finances, to get out of debt. And you say, man, this year we are paying off all the credit cards, all, all the loans, and we're getting right in this area of our life. And as soon as you make that commitment, the opposition shows up, and it usually shows up in the form of your vehicle right? And all of a sudden something's wrong with your vehicle and you go and you take it in and and they tell you that's going to be $800 to repair it. And you're like, I don't have $800. What do you do? Swipe the credit card, right? You got to take care of the car. Swipe the credit card and the opposition, the obstacles come your way. It could be that you say, man, I'm... I'm I'm ready. I'm going to finally start serving at church. And so you step in to serve in the infant toddler rooms and it's your first Sunday and you're so excited and you have a little one on your lap and the next thing you know, all the Cheerios they ate comes out. And you're like, why in the world? What am I doing? Forget this serving thing. Maybe you tell someone who's close to you, you know, here's what I believe God's calling me or leading me to do. And they look at you and they're like, Really? Are you sure about that? Man, you know I love you. Anytime someone starts off with that, you know, just what comes next, never good. You know I love you, but I don't think you really can do that. I'm trying to say this in love. I'm not really sure you can pull that off. Are you sure that's what you want to do? Someone that you love is discouraging you on the idea or the good work that you feel God has for you. Listen, listen. Don't ever be surprised when you step up and you step out in faith that there's going to be pushback. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be obstacles. Why? Because whenever there's advancement, there will be opposition. In fact, think about our enemy, the devil. What do we know about him? We know that, that he doesn't bother to, he doesn't bother you when you aren't a threat to him he just doesn't. He already knows, uh, you know, the, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the, the pride of life. The, you got enough issues in the world as it is and with your own. If you're not doing anything that's making a kingdom impact or doing a, di- a good work, he'll, he'll just leave you alone. You're going to have enough problems as it is. But the moment you step up and you try to honor God, flags go up all over hell. And he mobilizes his evil enemies to try and stop you from doing the good work that God has placed in your heart and in your life to do. Satan opposes the work of God. So you can expect spiritual opposition when you seek to do the will of God. Now, some of you are hearing this and saying, man, I'm supposed to be doing a good work and God's calling me to good work, but man, there's going to be a whole bunch of obstacles. I don't know about this right? I know you're thinking that, right? And you're thinking, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. I, I, I think I'd rather just coast along and, 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 and I want my life to be, and here's the key word, allegedly easier and safer and more comfortable. Allegedly, because you think, oh, I want my life to be this. And I don't know if I want to really step into doing the will of God and serving God and and, and caring about the things that matter to God. I don't know if I really want to do that. I think I might want to ring the bell and tap out. I don't know if I want to go there. But listen, what kind of life is that? What kind of life is it to live outside the will of God? There's no better place to be than in the center of God's will. And sure, there might be opposition that comes our way. And you're going to face that opposition when you step into the will of God for your life. And when you seek to do his good work for your life, sure, there'll be opposition. You're going to have critics. You're going to have haters. Sure, there's going to be a target on your back. But man, you can know with confidence that if you're seeking God and his will and his good work, that's exactly where he wants you to be and i'll take that all day long the best version of your life you will ever experience is found doing the good work of god that he has for your life that's the best version of your life nehemiah he steps up sanballat tobiah the opposition they're going to try to tear him down so here's the question how do you respond How do you respond to the critics, to the naysayers, to the haters? How do you respond to those who are the doubters, who are trying to tear you down? Well, most of the time, you don't. Most of the time, you don't respond to the critics. Nehemiah doesn't respond to them. He doesn't answer them. He doesn't defend himself. And in fact, I can tell you this. Have you figured this out yet? Responding to the critics never converts them. Have you figured that out yet? Are you still trying? Are you still thinking, well, I can just, if they could understand my perspective, they could see it from my side of the equation. You know, if I just talk long enough, they'll eventually convert. Responding to your critics doesn't convert them. When you respond, it just validates them and empowers them more. It's far better to ignore them and just keep doing the work of God Nehemiah was like, man, my goal is not to respond to the critics. The haters, they're going to hate. My goal is to do the will of God. Now, I know. I get it. It, 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 It's not always easy to ignore when people are criticizing us, to ignore the haters. You want to defend. You want to speak up. I understand that, that. And that's tough. That's difficult. And it's even more difficult and more tough when the criticism, when the opposition, when the obstacles come from those who we love and care about, when it comes from family or friends, it's so, so, so difficult when those that matter most to us end up being our most vocal critics, when they are standing in the way of us with what God has called us to do. And maybe for some, they, they, they speak to you in a way, and it's overt, and you know exactly where they stand. Others, they're a little more subtle about it. It's not overt. But you know, you know they're not supportive. You know, when I felt called into ministry by God and felt that calling on my life, there were some who were close to me who, bas- who said this, are you sure? Are you sure? And I can still remember There were certain people who, here's what they said to me. They said, because I I felt like, okay, God's calling me in the ministry, and so my college plans changed, where I was going to go, what I was going to do, and so I'm going to go to this little Christian college and get trained in the ministry and all this and and get a Bible degree and all this. And I can remember some people saying, are you sure you don't want to get a real degree in case you change your mind? translation. We hope you change your mind. Translation, don't waste your life being a pastor when you have so much potential. We had my world growing up and everything that my life was about on every front, there was no context for ministry, none. Sure, we we, we came to Christ when we were Christians, but the concept of ministry and serving God and ministry full-time, nothing. Are you sure you don't want to get a real degree? You can go into ministry, but just when it finally, when you get over it, you'll have a degree to fall back on. It's tough to not have the support of those you love and you, that, care, that you care about and they care about you when they don't believe in what you're called to do. Maybe you're called to foster and your parents say to you, man, you can barely handle your own kids. Are you sure you want to add some more? You feel called to lead a life group and a buddy says to you, hey, I'm not trying to be mean, but you don't know squat about the Bible. Are you sure? You feel called to some good work and somebody close to you says, you're too old. You're too young. You're too uh, undereducated. You're too overeducated. You're too this. You're too that. When you step up, the opposition will step in. When you step up, the opposition is going to work hard to push you down. And that's why it is really important for us to keep in mind some powerful advice that I've I've heard many times over. And here it is. You want to try not to be moved. You want to try not to be moved by praise or criticism. Don't miss this. Don't let the praise get into your head. You're not as great as you think you are. But don't let the criticism get into your heart. You're not as bad as you think you are. Don't let it take over. Don't be moved by the praise or the criticism. You say, I don't don't want to be moved by what people think. Like Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, I want to be moved by what God thinks. I'm not going to try to please them. I'm only going to try to please one person. And that person is, I'm going to please God. And the consequences are the consequences. But I know I'm trying to please God and seek him. And that's what matters. Nehemiah knows he doesn't have to answer the critics. The only person he has to answer to is God. And so instead of stooping down to their level, what does he do? He does what he's always done. He lifts his life and his heart up to God again in prayer. And so he goes to God in prayer in the midst of the obstacles, in the midst of the opposition. And in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 4, he says this, God, hear us, our God, for we're despised. In other words, we got, God, we got these haters and they're coming after us and there's obstacles and opposition Now, I want you to watch what Nehemiah goes on and prays. And for the record, what Nehemiah prays is not what Jesus taught, okay? And and this is important uh, to keep in mind because uh, he could learn from Jesus. But I think what he prays is something that you've prayed before or you've thought about praying before. And he says this. He says, God turn their insults back on their own heads now i'm not telling you to pray that way i'm just saying that's how he prayed okay he's praying this before jesus came along and said you know turn the other cheek and you know walk a mile uh you know carry their son this is before that and so nehemiah's like god get them god take them out give them over as plunder in a land of captivity verse 5 do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight Are you seeing what he's saying there? Don't blot out their sins. Don't cover it up, God. In other words, Nehemiah is saying, God, send them to hell. That's what he's praying here. Verse five, for they have thrown insults into the face of the builders. What was Nehemiah doing in the face of opposition? He knew where to turn. He knew who needed to be his support and his strength. He turned to God free Jesus, didn't have the the love and grace and compassion of Jesus yet, but he knew where to turn. And he prayed, God, we need you. God, we need your help. And then verse six, we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height for the people worked with all their heart. And I don't want you to miss it here. First of all, they go to God in prayer and then they got back to doing the work of God. Here's what I love about Nehemiah, and we, we see this over and over again with him. He, he's both, uh, uh, maybe a way to describe it, he, he's both spiritual and practical. He, he, he's both. He would pray as if everything, all of it, it all depended on God. And then he'd get to work as if it all depended on himself. He prayed and reached out as if, God, it all depends on you, but I'm also going to put my hand to the plow and I'm going to do the work as if everything depends on me. He says, God, we need you. God, guide our steps and I'm going to show up for work. God, we need your direction. We need your guidance. God, we're going to roll up our sleeves. God, we absolutely need your power and we're going to pick up the shovel and dig the ditch. God, we need your grace but we're willing to do what you have called us to do. We pause, we take the time, and we pray as if it all depends on God. Then we put our hand to work as if it depends on us. And when we turn and trust God, and we, we trust he'll do his part, I'm gonna do my part, and God does the mighty work in and through us. And in verse 10, it says, Meanwhile, In other words, in the midst of all this criticism that's going on, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. We cannot rebuild the wall. Somebody say cannot. Cannot. We cannot rebuild this wall. In other words, we've seen progress. But now all of a sudden, we're discouraged. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Here's how it will play out when you step into doing the good work that you believe God has for you, when you step into the will of God to do the good work that he has for you and that he wants to do through you, as you make progress in that good work, you will be tempted with the cannots. We cannot keep going. We cannot finish. We cannot complete this. We cannot overcome this obstacle. We cannot overcome this opposition. In fact, look at the next verse. It goes on in verse 11. Also, our enemy said, before they know it or see us, we're going to be right there among them, and we're going to kill them and put an end to their work. You see what's happening here? The obstacles are coming from all direction. The opposition. (laughs) Then, it's not just the enemy saying this. Verse 12, then the Jews who live near them. So we got the enemies and we got our own countrymen. The Jews who live near them came and told us 10 times over wherever you turn, they're going to attack us. How many times over? 10 times. They're going to attack us. Wherever you turn, they're going to attack. Wherever you turn, to attack. you turn, they're going to attack. Wherever you turn, they're going to attack. Wherever you turn, you're going to attack. If someone says something uh, enough times, what happens? You start believing it, don't you? Hey, maybe at first you say, no, 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 that can't be true. Oh, maybe I don't know about that. Ah, you start hearing it long enough, you start questioning yourself. Maybe they're right. Maybe this is going to happen. Wherever we turn, they're going to attack us. As time goes on, we see that the people, that they are starting to doubt. And the doubt really is doubt within themselves. They're starting to doubt. Their minds are wandering away from the good work that they've been doing and now they find themselves, because of all this opposition, they find themselves focusing on the problems and focusing on the obstacles. We cannot, we cannot. Listen, there will always be opposition when you seek to do a good work, when you seek to do the will of God, when you seek to make a difference, to make an impact. And sometimes it's going to be spiritual opposition from the devil, from the enemy. And sometimes that opposition is just going to be from the haters. Sometimes that opposition is going to be from people that love us and care about us. That's all brutal. But perhaps the worst opposition of all is the internal opposition. The internal insecurity. Do you know what I'm talking about? have you been there when those internal insecurities raise up their ugly head the internal voice that just says to you who do you think you are you cannot do that you're not capable of doing that You don't have what it takes. You cannot make a difference. You have done too much in your life that you should be ashamed of. You cannot enter into that space and be a part of that. You cannot. Now, I gotta tell you, just me as your pastor, just being real, there's times when this internal voice rears its ugly head in my life. And it's brutal. And this voice says to me, Chris, you don't have what it takes to lead. You don't have what it takes to be a pastor. Chris, you are not gifted with some key giftings that it takes to lead and to be a pastor. Chris, you have certain personality quirks that you have no business being a pastor. Sometimes those voices are loud and they say, Chris, you are not qualified to lead. You cannot. And here's what I have to constantly remind myself, like this is mission critical to living the life that God has called me to live and to do the good work that God has called me to do. And I believe this is mission critical for you as well, to live the life he's called you to live and do the work that God's called you to do. It is mission critical. The voices come externally or internally. The key is to keep your eyes focused on Jesus. That's the key. That's not christian ease. Christian-speak. The key is to set your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. You focus on him and you focus on the good work that he has done. That even, even if you say I can't, guess what, he can. So go ahead and say I can't. He can. I can through him. I can do all things through God who gives me strength. In my weakness, he is strong. I can do this in Christ. What voices are you going to listen to? Nehemiah said, I'm gonna keep my eyes focused on God. And as Nehemiah hears the people being discouraged, as he hears them wanting to give up, Nehemiah says in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14, he says, after I look things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of the enemies. Don't be afraid of Sanballat and Tobiah. Don't be afraid of those inner voices and those inner insecurities. Don't be afraid of them. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to the cannot. Instead, Nehemiah says, instead of that, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. What does Nehemiah do? He takes the focus off the problems, off the obstacles, off the opposition, and he puts his focus on God. He takes the focus off the naysayer and the critics and the inner voices, and he puts his focus back on God. He says, this isn't our battle. The battle belongs to the Lord. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I may not be able to, but I absolutely know that he can. And Nehemiah's like, listen, that's what I'm doing. My focus is on God. God is great and awesome. And I remember, remember the Lord. Remember, remember what he's done in your life. And I remember I was a nobody. I was a servant to the most powerful person on the planet. And and I don't ever ask him. I don't ever have requests. I don't ever get anything. All I do is serve him. And yet, after prayer, months and months, somehow by God's grace and God's miracle, he gave me the opportunity. And the king asked me, a servant, servant, what do you want? That's a miracle. Remember the Lord your God who is great and awesome. He asked me, what do I want? So I told him. And guess what? He gave it to me. And so I'm here with all of us today because of that. Remember the Lord your God. He is great and awesome. Remember, all of us look around. None of us have any, we don't even know what a wall is, and yet we're building this amazing wall. God is good. God is great. Remember the Lord your God. He is great and he is awesome. When it gets tough, you're going to think about something, you just will. So why not? Why not think about the Lord? Why not try it? And remember the Lord, he is great and awesome. And then Nehemiah finishes this, his word to the people, he said, don't be afraid, remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight. Somebody say fight. Fight. And fight, somebody say say fight. fight. And fight, somebody say fight. Fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Somebody needs to hear this word right now. God is speaking to you and saying, fight! Fight for it. Fight for the good work that God has for you. Fight for his will in your life. Remember the Lord your God and continue fighting for healing. Remember the Lord your God and to continue to fight for your marriage. Remember the Lord your God and continue to fight for him to provide and provide for you and you can get out of debt. Fight for it. Remember the Lord your God and fight for that person you've been praying for who doesn't know Jesus and that God can work in their life and God can change them and God can transform them. He transformed a guy by the name of Paul who was killing Christians who is seeking them out and hunting them down. And if God can change a person's life like that, he can change that person you're praying for. Continue to fight for those who don't know Jesus. Fight. Paul said it this way, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous and be strong. So I simply close by saying, you can do the good work that God has for you. You can yeah, there's going to be opposition from without and from within. It's going to be there. It's going to try to slow you down, to deter you, to distract you, to get you to give up. Just ignore it. Ignore it and remember the Lord your God who is great and awesome and fight. Fight for that good work that he has for you. Don't ever give up. Step into it. Fight for it. Why? You have the power of Christ. Go for it fight for it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we come before you today. Recognizing, God, the, the, the obstacles, the opposition, God, it's, it's hard, it's difficult. God, sometimes it's so painful, especially when it's from those who we love and care about and we just want their support. God, would you hear our prayers right now as we just turn our hearts to you? And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to ask you, what are your struggles? What is your opposition? What's standing in the way of you doing the good work that God has for you? I want to invite you to take that to God right now in prayer. That you would say something like this God, I believe you brought me here today to take my eyes off the obstacles and the opposition and to put my eyes on Jesus. And so God, right now I turn to you and I ask God that you give me strength, that you give me your courage. God, that you give me the faith to overcome. So God, move in my life, help me, so that I can do the good work you've called me to do And in faith, God, I humbly pray this in Jesus' name. God, would you hear these prayers? God, give us faith. Give us spiritual breakthroughs. Give us miracles. Give us healings. Give us provision, God. Give us the strength to face these obstacles. Help us, God, to fight for the good work that you have for our life. We give you the glory. For the work you're doing in us and through us. We praise you. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.